I think six is is split 50-50 on everything. And so in order, to, but yet at the same time has an urge or compulsion to do and, you know, manage something, so to speak, out in the external world. And so in order to mobilize, you have to go against one half of yourself and make that the bad thing. But you usually do it by projecting the bad thing outside, right? And so then that's the thing you're against. And then you've got something to push against, right? So now you've got something to push against. That It's like, you know, like a swimmer that now has a wall to push off from. The Big Hormone Enneagram. talk about this yet this this whole thing that people say that it's harmful to type other people i know that lady was talking to you john mm. about this how you were you had suggested that ian crone's type mm. wasn't for and she was like this is incredibly harmful and and unethical to type retype other people and i figured i don't know if we talked about that or we should we probably should yeah i don't think we talked about it um yeah it's a and it's a good point to bring up um yeah the uh so i get where they're coming from but it's it's sort mm-hmm. of like how somebody says something that has some importance or meaning in the enneagram and then it gets like telephoned between a bunch of people and then it just becomes like a thing rather than anybody thinking about what it means mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. you know i absolutely don't think that you should go type people like to their face like or your friends talk about your friends behind their back or whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's this ridiculous thing that if you suggest, oh, well, I think this person, you know, this public figure or this uh, celebrity, celebrity or exemplar, even author who's putting their themselves out there as an exemplar. Yes. Um, you know, that's, that's not a, that's not just, that's not saying hands off me. That's saying, Hey, I'm putting myself out as an exemplar mm-hmm. and talking about myself publicly as an exemplar of a particular type. Um, and I think that's fair game to, to use them as the exemplar or say that they're not an exemplar as you mm-hmm. see it without any right. spiritedness. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's, it's a thing that keeps coming up and up again and again. And I realized that uh, a big controversy with the way that we do things is that we are, or at least our group <laughs> does things is we emphasize uh, typing, not just ourselves, but public figures as a way to get a handle on the material and there are a lot of people who think typing is such a taboo thing to do like even just the conversation about what if i'm mistyped and having other people give you feedback on that that it's such a personal sacred self-discovery process that no one should tamper with that um so i i feel like it's a huge major uh difference in the way people look at the enneagram that can you observe types as they're happening in real time or is it some um internal experience that only the person can determine for themselves well i think it's important to point out and clarify what you're speaking to of uh why we talk about type and typing because uh the the read i get from a lot of folks that that are like all right don't ever talk about type talk about your personal experience or you know they don't say it that explicitly but it sort of gets to be sharing circle type of as a five i blah 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 as a six mm-hmm. blah, blah blah and it and it's um you know part of what we're taking into consideration is that by definition so to speak uh people don't know themselves like that's the point of the enneagram mm-hmm. And so, uh, and the types like aren't just, just cause you feel like you have an impression of them doesn't mean you understand them or know them or even really get them. So people self-reporting and self-sharing about their experiences type is pretty limited uh, in terms of accuracy and in terms of 
reflecting their actual experience. People's ideas about themselves don't generally match up to their actual lived experience. And that's part of what the Enneagram is trying to show us. So when you're uh, saying don't retype other people or don't uh, talk about typing or what discerns type, um, you're kind of just treading water, in my opinion, in terms of trying to self-observe because Enneagram holds up a mirror. But if the mirror is a wrong mirror, if it's a dirty mirror or whatever, uh, it's not going to be that helpful. And it just becomes about people sharing their personal experience. And they're, you know, most people at the beginning are mistyped. And yep. um, and that's fine. And that's natural and normal and, and something to have compassion for and not try to get it right, not being too attached to rightness, but being more invested in the inquiry about type and the curiosity about how personality and type works and what it works to help us see more clearly. Yeah. Like when I was new, it was a huge, I, it was a huge point of frustration for me because anyone who's new to the stuff and you really, if you're really trying to figure things out and you go on a forum and there's a bunch of people who say, well, I'm this type and they're talking about themselves based on from that type perspective and you don't know any better. So you're just reading a bunch of stuff mm-hmm. and you're thinking you're getting a better understanding of that type. And then at some point you realize that all these people were not the type that they thought they were because you watched them change their type on the forum. It's like, oh, I'm a five now. Right. And so this person that you're reading for the past year has, you know, like, so it wasn't mm-hmm. a, fra- a good frame of reference. And so there's a lot of forums or there are some groups that say, you know, this is a group that is about open sharing and um, like type panel based open sharing. It's like, well, what's the point of the panel if everyone on the panel is mistyped? And no, no one wants to talk about this because that means, well, we have to question people's self-perception of themselves if they actually understand the material and if they actually understand themselves. And that's an unpleasant conversation to have for a lot of people. Well, it, it's, uh, it's definitely unpleasant. And, you know, nobody likes to think that the views they have of themselves are wrong. And the, the baseline thing is that all of our views about ourselves are wrong. Mm-hmm. But also. Um, it's just that to me, it, it speaks to the whole orientation and purpose of the Enneagram where, you know, is it a way to put a label on oneself and feel kind of either comfortable or narcissistically indulgent about who they think they are through the lens of this type? Or is Enneagram about opening new inquiries and, and, and you know, liberating our attention from the patterns that it's been enslaved by that are you know, that are defined, that, that define the type. Yeah. Part of the difficulty too, is that certain types type are typologically prone to have a problem with that conversation about mm. <laughs> mistyping <Yep>. and, <laughs> and, and you can't question my type. And it is, I mean, there are a lot of, I think population wise, I think we all, I don't know if everybody agrees here. I think we all do generally that sixes and nines are really common in cross populations. And those two types, especially, you know, have us have, you could say one aspect of them each in their own way is a, is some kind of sense that their personal power is not quite all their own. And so that, that questioning, questioning their type, and their self-typing is questioning their individuality and it's and it and it in some sense part of the reaction is because of how uh much those two types can be influenced by outside forces so to speak yeah yeah i feel like whenever i we see those immediate responses that well i'm sure i'm a four well i'm sure i'm a five that it's not even like you're taking in the impression of what was said or turning it over and considering it yep. that the immediate response is to say, I'm sure that I know I'm this type. It's that seems like the reaction of, Oh man, I'm, I have to shut down any opening because I feel like I'm being taken by this idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I have to immediately assert that I'm not going to be influenced. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I, um, I saw on, uh, you know, another one of those really fabulous 
Instagram memes on the Instagram. <laughs> um, somebody was made a post about uh, introjection, right? Which is the defense mechanism of taking other people's views and opinions on as your own self-concept. And Naranjo originally tried, and I think somewhat artificially, to correlate different psychological defense mechanisms with the different types. And for some reason, he uh, correlated introjection with um, four. And I don't think that's accurate. I think introjection is much more of a nine quality. Um, and, and part of what that is, is, you know, like that. So in thinking of introjection as a defense mechanism, what is it defending against? Right? Like, that's not usually asked of, of the material, but it's like, it's defending against seeing oneself clearly. You know, you're, you're interjecting and taking on other people's views unconsciously so as to muddle your self-perception and, and muddle um, your, your own path to individuate. And so I think that like, that in itself is an example of, of you know, it, it reinforces sloth basically, which is the nine's passion. But I think that is, and it's not just to nines, that's everybody got their own version of that. But I think that speaks a lot to um, why some types have a resistance to seeing themselves. Because, I mean, everybody does to some degree, but for that, for that um, what that mechanism does is it helps keep an inner status quo going. So you don't have to change anything. You don't have to see anything. And so part of the... Uh, courage that the Enneagram requires is being able to see things that you don't want to see in yourself, own your shadow, and then make the changes in your body, heart, and mind um, to actually address those things. Because, you know, like the point of the Enneagram is to see. Well said. I'd be interested in seeing if you have a description for what you think a four's actual defense mechanism is oh uh i'm trying to remember um oh i think i, think might have heard you say splitting yeah splitting splitting um so splitting has like a lot of a lot of people note that unhealthy four has a lot in common with uh borderline personality disorder mm-hmm. and i think one of the major defense mechanisms of borderlines is splitting which is um it's it's literally splitting the object the psychological object meaning whoever you're relating to based on your uh, early experience with your nurturer figure um splitting them into the all good or all bad object so you know fours will have this tendency to uh idealize and and long for some kind of perfect you know, perfect rescuer, perfect beloved of some kind, and just have this totally exaggerated idealism for somebody. And then when they get them, uh, or when there's some conflict, or there's some incongruency, or the the object disappoints them somehow, they are terrible, evil, bad, corrupt, negative, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so that, you know, that does a lot to uh, reinforce the four status quo, which is not resisting seeing themselves, but it's of um, continuously being in a sense of lack and a sense of reaction to the lack. So even the longing for somebody is sense is, is it comes from the envy, that sense of I'm lacking something, and you know it's something outside of me is going to fulfill me or make me complete. And then. Um, uh, the, the, you know, the object is all bad. It's like, it just reinforces my sense of turmoil and especially the object relational affect that is strongest in four. So everybody has their own, every type has their own, um, emotional affect that dominates their object relational structure, but the fours is frustration. And so it keeps me frustrated. I'm longing out of frustration and I'm rejecting or reacting out of frustration. Hmm. Right. So you get the the object so-called, which could be a person <clears throat> that you th- think you wanted, that you longed for, and then you change that, if you will, into into bad somehow. And then, is well, that- yeah, it's like the 
the issue that I'm need, I'm longing to resolve never gets resolved. Yeah. And it's like, unconsciously, I don't want it to be resolved because I don't want to change. I don't want to heal. I don't want to lose my story and my self-concept, my identity. No. So when I don't have the object, oh my God, she's perfect. You know, like Mm -hmm. we would, we would have this amazing life together. It'd be crazy. Mm -hmm. It'd be wonderful, passionate. We'd have, you know, great sex. Everything's going to be perfect and wonderful. She's going to really understand me and see me, blah, 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 Mm -hmm. blah. And then, oh, but she, you know, smells bad or or whatever. And it becomes this like, ugh, disgust kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But in either dynamic, the essential kind of emptiness that, um, that envy is about is not resolved. So it sounds like Forzer uh, can be really like self-sabotaging a lot of times, which, um, oh, yeah. 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 And I, I feel like that's something that kind of defines fours that people say doesn't happen with fours or something like that. Self-sabotage. Yeah. Like they dis a lot of people who um, self-type as four, they disagree with that. Mm-hmm. How, so tell me more about how you see it, Nancy. How I see fours self sabotage, or yeah, like the flavor. Because I'm, I'm, I'm thinking like, um, you know, sixes self sabotage a great deal, mm-hmm. and um, there was a, a sort of a tangential thing, but Evagrius, who like was the Christian mystic who wrote down the. Um, with Jismoy, which became the seven deadly sins, which is the like the history of the Enneagram passions. Right. Um, the 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 ninth hidden one, so to speak, uh, may have been incontinence, meaning shitting on shitting on yourself or self-sabotage. <laughs> and so I like I'm I'm trying to make the distinction between four self-sabotage and six self-sabotage. Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I have a good amount of experience with sixes and they do seem to self-sabotage but it's almost um hmm. it's more it's it's less of like a self-sabotage as it is more of like a protection like i'm protecting myself from this whereas fours are like i'm gonna flush this down the toilet my entire life go yeah that's a good way to put it is is like i'm gonna burn it all down right I see sixes uh, overthink to the po- like, like to the point where, where they, they kind like of freeze. They freeze or squander something, or there's a way in which there's like an opportunity for them to rise, and however they conceptualize that. And mm-hmm. there's a sort of um, I don't want to like take on the mantle, like I don't want to be too big. Basically, yeah. have anti-narcissism claws in their psyche that like cuts themselves down. In a lot of right. ways yeah it kind of feels like sixes kind of keep themselves from being great whereas fours kind of keep themselves from being like functioning totally totally <laughs> dysfunctional like that's a great distinction is sixes can stay functional right, right. yeah the, the, i think the way i see sixes doing self-sabotage is claiming that they hate something saying this is evil i can't this is the worst thing ever but at the same time, being attracted to that same thing and going yep. towards it. So it's, I'm not sure how to explain <clears throat> what that is, but it's kind of like a split personality quality where the thing that they hate is also the thing that they're attracted to and um, sort of like a moral way of saying this thing's terrible, but they're at the same time running towards it. Yeah, I see, I see different versions of that in all the super ego types, six, two, and one in different forms. So, yeah. It's part of the, um, the way in which six is a, like their object relational dynamic. Is there an attachment type and they're attached to uh, the fathering <laughs> or protecting function, which not necessarily a literal father, but the person and it could be the same person as the nurturing function, but the the qualities provided by in early life um, that helped help a person individuate to so help create structure, help help them um, help all of us like move out in the world and be independent. There's a a feeling that I didn't get that as a kid, you know, 
and so I'm looking for uh, I'm looking for things that substitute or provide a sense of guidance or orientation or a way that I know how to act and move forward in the world. And so I, I think what it, what it sounds to me like you're saying is um, one mechanism of finding that kind of guidance and structure is it by being against something. And so I'm, a, and so six is an attachment type. So I'm attached to being against, mm. right? And so I'm, I'm doing a bunch of patterns of black and white, good, bad, all over the place, and pointing the finger, and so on. And 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 there's almost a there's almost an intimacy there, and that's part of I think what Emiko's maybe alluding to. There's it's it's almost it's relational. Right. There's almost this thing of sort of uh, playing with the fire, uh, pointing at the bad fire and, you know, but you need it in order to, again, have something to blame or push against. And it's partly because it's inside you, so to speak, um, if that makes sense. There's a polarity in there. No, 100 percent. I think something that stands out to me about sixes is you could say that they're the spark plug of the Enneagram, like um, based on all these past experiences that we've had with sixes, where they're doing all this reaction publicly because they need you to pay attention and they need you to sort of react to what they're doing, to know that you're there, to have some kind of fight and debate about it, to, to sort of clear the air about all this anxiety. Um, and even sort of when, when people are coming after us and saying, oh, you're so bad, it's coming from a place of this is an ongoing conflict relationship that we're having. That um, I'm going to, because it's like my response is an A when stuff like that starts happening is, all right, then stop, go, like, leave me the fuck yep. alone, like, cut me off, block me, yep. get on with your life. But no, it's the it's the cycle of, blaming and saying you're wrong and that sort of the relationship of that because yeah. if i don't like somebody i'm i'm either going to attack them or just cut them off <laughs> it's it's <laughs> familial it's you know it's like it's like sibling fighting right almost. yeah so I, a lot of people who complain about um the group and and this and that and i'm just like i mean it's it sounds like you're obsessed because you could just Hit ignore, block, but that's not what it's about. It's it's. Um, uh, I guess what I realized it's actually about of, maintaining it. Yeah, yeah. Like a lot of times, these people or these people who are complaining about the stuff that we do end up doing exactly the same stuff we do. Like they just end up copying what we're doing because that's why, it, it, like, our stuff got into them, and they got, were upset that maybe they were influenced or whatever, but. Um, they they just continued following along with the stuff that they were complaining about. <laughs> well, I think when it comes to six, um, you know, three, I mean, excuse me, four, six and eight are all reaction types and needing that kind of, um, you know, kind of brushing up against something to kind of feel it, you know, mm -hmm. like need to be in reaction somehow to feel something is real or substantial. And, you know, for a, a reactive body type, you know, the reactivity is around the body center and your own sense of boundaries. So it sort of begins and ends with your own, I don't know, felt sense of yourself. It's not real. It's just, it's kind of self-focused. It's sort of straightforward and people feel that straightforwardness with eight, you know, um, and, and similarly with four, there's there's a the, the reaction is based on how something is corresponding or not with my identity and my sense of uh, if if something is attuned to me or not. So like four is huge reaction to um, you know aesthetics, for example. You know, it's like oh, this stuff is so awful because it it feels really incongruent with how I feel about things, how I experience things inwardly. But with six as a head type and a reactive type. There's a kind of uh, ongoing making or rendering of a mental map of how things fit, mm -hmm. and so um, one way that there's a 
a, a sense of, of feeling orientation as well as feeling like kind of things are happening and, and I'm connected to things is through that kind of uh, reacting to how things are fitting on a inner map. If that makes sense. Yep. You know, so uh, I think more than four and eight sixes can have this quality of just like testing the map. Like fours and eights, I know we'll just like test each other or like, I mean, eights, especially if they have social instincts can really start pushing on things. But um, I find that six, it is, it's more like a test. Like it has that quality of test rather than eight will like provoke. It's got a different kind of flavor to it. Yeah, it feels like six is always, um, at least to me, it feels like, always injecting doubt like and it, it feels pointless sometimes because it's like all right it's, i'm like trying to figure out where are you where are you going with this where what's the point of your testing or just unspecified doubt because i'm not sure where things are supposed to be and there is inconsistencies everywhere so can you help me out <laughs> someone please reassure me please tell me it's going to be fine. And it's constant. Not like every six is like this, but uh, we've experienced this, we experienced some sixes that were just constant. Some just thing is not right about this thing or that thing. And in a way, it's like it forces a relationship on with everyone because now everyone is sort of pulling together to to reassure this person and problem solve for them. And like, let me reassure you and let you know that yeah, here are some possible things you could do. And then, of course, the crisis comes to an end. Until the next time, there's some big crisis. <laughs> do, you, do you think that has to do with, like, level of awareness or, um, like, a, a instinct stacking? Or do you... Well, uh, both of my two best friends are, um, or closest friends are, are sixes. And um, OD is social sexual and chisara is self-pressed social and it's just my experience of both of them is that they're like they're like worlds apart when it comes to what they're anxious about and what they need reassurance about and odis is a little bit it, it for for one reason like it doesn't hit me as much because the social instinct is my blind spot so it just feels ridiculous. And I can sort of point out how ridiculous it is and we can laugh about it. But um, self-pres definitely I can relate to. And it just, that's more annoying because I can definitely feel that. Um, but it's just anxiety about different things. And it's, in some ways, it's really, can seem really like crippling anxiety hmm. about those things and just needing reassurance or just needing something to hang your head on so it's like um, guidance sometimes. And sometimes it's just assurance. I've had a long history of um, best friends that were sixes. And I, at some point I realized that what was going on was eights sort of project uh, like an automatic self-assured tone, whether or not I have it. <laughs> it's, just, it's just the way I sound. So I've... I've had this pattern of always um, having uh, sixes in my life. And I, 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 re I recognize on some level, it's just that they just need the feeling of reassurance. It's, it's not necessarily real. It's just the feeling of it's going to be fine. Like you can do this. One way to think of it is <clears throat> everyone is in their minds too much generally right that's the human condition and sixes however are in their minds and not trusting what comes up in their minds right so that's a that's that's a different condition if you're not even trusting your thoughts in a way yeah yeah hmm. i i get upset about it sometimes because I guess for me, it's like I, I have I can have doubts about certain things, but I can take certain actions to build up confidence in a certain area. And once I have it, I have it. It's done. Whereas with sixes, it's it's never ending 
Um, it's yeah, it's a never ending. So it feels like over time, I'm just like, come on, we've been over this before. Like you've got this, you know, like you have this level of confidence. I feel like you have this level of confidence in this area that we've both worked on. Like you should feel supremely confident here, but you're still looking for outside guidance, someone to tell you what to do about this or that and never feeling like you fully, fully have it. And for me, it's like, it's like an upward progression of confidence. Like I'm never going back. <laughs> so mm. with sixes, it feels like it's never getting there ever. <laughs> Hardly a fear of making a mistake, right? Something bad will happen if I make a mistake. And so I can't step forward and go. Yeah, there's a lot of feeling of being responsible. Mm-hmm. Like, it's on my shoulders if this fucks up or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's like <clears throat> eight doesn't really take on consequences <laughs> the same way that a six does. You know? <laughs> right. right. A six, like, feels it's part of their, you know, part of their responsibility to, um, to to make things better and partially it's because they can see so clearly where things can fall apart you know and it's for the collective so that's why it's really on their shoulders right Mm -hmm. whereas eight is thinking of everybody as sort of separate units right right Uh yeah i went to um japan this time last year and it was such a mind opener for for my understanding of six because i feel like six is probably of all the types it's probably the type i feel the least in me and um mm-hmm. like it's it, the experience of six feels the most foreign to me mm-hmm. and uh being in japan it's a six culture and you know i i don't know like my a lot of my impressions of american the, the american uh uh, lens of six can be very, you know, based around just like stereotypes around anxiety and managing anxiety and this sense of inner, lack of inner guidance. Not to, not to say like people who are sixes, which I think are different. You know, it's like I have a lot of sixes I love in my life and um, they're great, but just the like the kind of archetype of six in American culture is very, um, I don't know, it, it's, it wasn't clear to me until I was in Japan because in Japan, everything is considered in relation to everything else. It's got that kind of Shinto background. I don't know if I talked about that on here before. I don't think um, so. You haven't. You, yeah. I, just, I was just about to mention this very story because I thought it was one of the best. So, yeah, perfect. Cool. Cool, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, I always say this, but I don't know who, the, who I say what to. <laughs> <laughs> you just talk so much. I just talk so actually, I, I don't even talk much, but I just say. Like, like, <laughs> you just have the my, same things in your head. <laughs> yeah, my, I'm so boring. But, but I have like five things I can say about anything. Um, <laughs> uh, but... Um, but yeah, like Japan, it's it's amazing because, you know, we have the like the 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 view in the West of of Japan as being very orderly and very um, advanced and very kind of uh, peaceful, and it is, and it's and it's like that because everything is so considered. Like there's a sense of context to everything, how everything relates mm-hmm. to everything else, and so, um, for example, we went to uh, those like like. I don't remember the name of it, but it's the, it's the most famous Zen rock garden. And they do have these like, you know, gardens made of little pebbles and like rocks and stuff. And they like really delicately like uh, rake them and make them in certain designs. And, and part of the phenomenon, I guess, or the teaching of these gardens is that you'll, they'll be very big and wide and it seems like there's no obstructions, but based on the very subtle arrangement of the rocks and there's larger sort of boulder sized rocks, you can never see the hole from any perspective. And it's like so indicative of the six view, in my opinion, like there's always this sense of perspective and how things are arranged in relation to each other. But even your own perspective is not the whole, it's still just a view on the whole. And as part of that, like, I remember, uh, it was me and Alaria and Russ. And we went to uh, 
Izu, which is in like south of Tokyo, and it's kind of a small town. And um, we went to the train station, and we're we had to like transfer, and there was this overpass, and right up even underneath the overpass, the the landscape and garden was like cultivated. Whereas if I was in the United States, it would have been full of either like garbage or just left on its own or somehow forgotten, overlooked, or you know, there'd be power tools or something just rotting there. And it was just amazing, like everything they gave attention to, you know, everything was considered important and related to something else. Everything had its place and everything was just, it, everything meant something, you know? And that was like an awakening to me about what the higher qualities of six are about was like caring for everything, paying attention to everything. Whereas other types, they're just not prone to see uh, or to care about sort of um, how things are related to one another. And uh, I don't know, just, yeah, just the sense of just attentiveness and care is like so six and it was so represented in Japan. I relayed that story to uh, my friend Shisara because there's not a lot on six that's very good. And that's a very good real world example. (laughs) And it's something that she would relate to a lot because um, she's someone who is that mm-hmm. she, she, mm-hmm. she's someone who really takes, uh, um, interior design. I mean, she'll, she'll call me and talk about like all the stuff that she's bought and where she's going to put it, you know, like, <laughs> just, like it's a really big deal that things are in the right place. There was a point in my, my, a couple of years ago, my apartment's a mess and she had, at some point I'd recognized that I needed to really, uh, redo my whole apartment and she helped me like figure out like all right this is where you're going to put everything like she put together like a a whole plan of where everything needed to go and i just did it (laughs) it's just that's my that's why my apartment's completely bare because everything's like put away and locked up somewhere um but yeah that's something that at least for her it made a lot made a lot of sense for six and for six and self-pres it's very clear how you can see that but for six in social and sexual, it's not such a clear parallel, but I can see in what ways that they're doing that with those instincts. Like for social, it's a system of support. And for example, that can be like a system of belief, like religion. And so, for example, I see how my, um, my best friend, social sexual sec- six OD needs systems of like it used to be religion and then it became self you know personal development ways of orienting to a system of belief that gives me a sense of support that i can accomplish and do the things that i want to do in life and you see that with like oprah for example how you're looking for all these systems of guidance that can help you step into the world. And um, I'm not so sure how that looks for sexual. How do you do systems? How do you orient to the sexual drive? Or how do you need that sort of grid support and the sexual drive? Well, but it's, I, I don't know if I, I don't know how much um, sexual sex relies on like a system, so to speak. Uh, you know, but there's, you know, what their anxiety and their guidance is around is like, I, I don't know if this chemistry, this relationship, this attraction is either real or if it's going to be reciprocated and needing my partner's like assurance and also an assurance that you're like, you're really in it with me. And, uh, it's not as systematic, you know, um, partially because the sexual instinct itself is not that systematic. Um, but you know, there is this, like one way you could think of something in line with systematic is like, there's a, there's a definitely a play on masculine and feminine qualities. Like they tend Mm -hmm. to, um, exaggerate both masculine and feminine qualities. So really good friend of mine is a sexual six and, you know, she's very beautiful and she does modeling and acting. Um, but she's also got this kind of like fiery feisty quality you know and it's kind of um 
you know, she's very sweet, but she's also got this sort of like provocative, edgy kind of thing and, and this sort of uh, quality of like can do take charge when she needs to aspect to her. And uh, she's really kind of willing to um, like, like get in the trenches for something, whether it's her work or something else. But, but she uses that, I think, uh, as kind of part of her sexual image. You know, like she's going to get into it mm-hmm. in some way. And it's part of the attraction is like she can do the kind of very femme thing. And then she can kind of do this like hands-on tough thing too. Yeah, that's sort of making a, a system in a way. I mean, that's a bare bones polarity maybe, but it's it's again kind of playing on the theme of that 50-50 thing, right? So you're you're pushing, you know, if you're in a mask, if you're in a masculine mode, you're sort of, you know, just playing one side. It's either one side or the other. That's kind of what I mean. Does that make sense? Anyway. Yeah, it does. Um, my experience of sexual sixes. What has been? I think it's it's a little bit harder to see sexual six in the more introverted ones, like the ones that have nine fixes. It's really obvious when you see like the aggressive sexual sixes because they're really doing that roar, you know, strength mm-hmm. and beauty thing. Um, so I'm trying to get a handle on sexual six at at the root. What what does it look like, even when someone is like a a more introverted sexual six? what's like the the less obvious um exemplar of that mm. i got to talk to we got a couple i think we have maybe i think one sexual six in the group well i mean yeah maybe eventually i can have my friend on we can interview her and probe her <laughs> about yeah. do you know uh, her fixes <laughs> I, I i haven't thought about it but i could see uh i could see nine um she's she's i mean she's social blind so she's she's not like she doesn't have a like a wide friend network or anything like that and she's very so she but part of so it kind of bleeds into her introversion um where she's solitary a lot of the time um but she's like very friendly very open um but it's not like she's not overwhelming you with her energy or anything like that and, uh, you know, she's like a, she's an actress and she's also a bartender. So that's kind of this thing and she's still feisty, but I, yeah, I would suspect she probably has a nine fix and maybe a three fix. Uh, I have to think about it more. Okay. Yeah. That's a six is a curious one. I, I think we need, it's a hard type to describe and especially with the sexual drive, it's, it's, it's even harder. I don't I, like I I used to feel that way and what clicked for me was trying to understand you know and it sort of clicked for me in in terms of all the types is is really understanding the essential qualities and how each type through the lens of instinct pursues essential qualities and so um you know the the quality of truth is like what I think sixes are really looking for is that sense of when something is experienced as being a real thing. And it's not like knowing something cognitively is true because that's just an arbitrary belief, but that real feeling that something is being true. And one of the, one of the ways to discern an essential quality is understanding or experiencing the qualities of when you're just present, like what, what presence is like. And part of presence is this feeling of something being real and true. But what ends up happening is that the tight, you know, the six looks for truth through the mind and through their dominant instinct, you know? So like, I'm going to like, instead of something being real and truthful um, as an experience, it becomes knowing something's real or something's reliable or something's Mm -hmm. going to pan out the way I, I need it to or anticipate. And so that, that leads to looking for a system to support my thinking and my sense of what feels true, real or reliable, you know, cause like part of the danger that sixes, I think feel in themselves 
is that when they come to something that feels true or resonates as truthful, uh, they have such a capacity to be of service to it, right? Like to be so mm-hmm. devoted to it. And so they know that if on some level that if, uh, if this resonates with me, that uh, I'm all in in mm-hmm. some way. Mm-hmm. And it can be really scary for the six because they try to know things almost totally through the head. And because they're trying to know things conceptually and cognitively, uh, it doesn't feel real. It doesn't have the substance of something that's more like a gut impression or a heart impression. And it's not to say that that there's not any value in the head impression, but it needs to be joined with an impression in the body and the heart, which it's generally not in the fixated six. And so Mm -hmm. then it becomes about thinking and overthinking and verifying if this concept or belief or uh, view is accurate or truthful or not. And so for the sexual sex, you know, what am I, what's, what feels true and real or where am I looking for truth in, in something real? It's like in my sexual partnerships and in, in my attraction and, and even the things that I, uh, invest in to as attraction displays, like what my creative projects are or whatever it is. Like I need this to be the real thing and the thing that fits me. And so I don't want to speak for my friend, but um, you know, I know that she's had a lot of struggles around uh, seeing if her path towards modeling and acting is really real and true for her. You know, if that's going to really pan out or if she's just wasting her time and maybe I should do this thing over here. And, um, and you know, I know that she, uh, she maybe, I don't know, it's, it's been a rough thing for her because it's sort of like, should I, should I, pursue this path or not and then you know she has her own stuff with her partner uh who's a close friend of mine and um yeah so this there, i can i can sense that that search in her through the lens of her sexual instinct i'm thinking about some people that i know who are six fixed and how um how that shows up for them um I know an interior designer who's got a six fix, who's a sexual type. And it feels like that field, I mean, when you think about it, it's pretty structured field for a creative person to be in. But um, one thing that feels different between both of us is just how shocking it seems like I might just do things because I want to, and it's not, it doesn't fit into any structure um, or I don't, care about certain structures and something that seems six fixed to me is just wanting to do this wild creativity but wanting it to fit into a structured field like something like interior designing or having a um a system of recognition like uh, an external organization says that i am a creative person or recognizes my creativity where some other types wouldn't want that or would even see that as a negative i feel like it's a sixth thing to to be like you know i can rely on this this means something that other people also buy into this system and it's interesting to see how that shows up even in a field that is meant to be chaotic and creative where there's still a sense of there needs to be a precedent for what's happening. There needs to be like a, um, a sense of other people recognizing what I'm doing, even though it's coming from a place of um, personal creativity. So that's, that's one thing at least that, that feels six ish to me. Well, all all types, I think uh, try to control the sexual instinct, you know, like the sexual instinct, is chaotic but all types have their own you know just their own version of trying to control it or secure it or make it happen in a particular way and so you know they're just like the sixth flavor of control is has a sense of testing and reliability that you're speaking to but i think it's important that to for, for any sixes in the house uh that yeah all types try to control the sexual instinct you know, I mean, all types try to control all three instincts all the time. And, um, you know, it's because 
that way we we're trying to ensure that we get the instinctual resources that we want whether that's people or objects or relationships you're saying there's an extra level though of control relative to sexual john for six uh, uh i no i think uh that's a good question. Um, it's striking me in different ways. I mean, on one hand, um, I think it is clear that there is a certain kind of uh, disruption, disruptiveness that sexual instinct presents. Mm -hmm. As you can't control who you're going to be attracted to, you can't control how long attraction is going to last, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but it's easier to make systems uh, for self-pres and social, but nonetheless, mm -hmm. uh, I don't think that we spend any less energy trying to control self-pres and social outcomes as human beings. You know, um, I guess it's just a different kind of control. But I think that makes sense, though, of why that strength and and beauty mm -hmm. motif comes up because those are that is that doing some kind of you know uh mode of masculine extreme mode of masculine or feminine that's already has the historical you know form has precedent right mm -hmm. um that's that's a way to uh to control it and it's also a way because you're doing an extreme in the case of sexual six and often an extreme of masculine or feminine you're getting a reaction right so you're mm -hmm. testing for truth maybe yeah definitely and mm -hmm. yeah exactly uh I, I you know it's just the the property of egos to tr control instincts so mm -hmm. um in uh yeah in six you're going to get that kind of like it, it, that interesting combination of, as Emika is speaking to, that sexual has got this kind of um, unpredictable quality, but you're looking for the tried and true to apply to it. I like that word precedent for yeah. six. Just looking for something that has been done before um, that you can rely on. It's a guidebook. book.